0: This is Kevin Evans with Crossroads Assembly of God chapter-by-chapter life class. And we are studying Matthew, and we are uh, hip-deep in chapter 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And previously, we have looked at the Beatitudes, and um, we have looked at uh, Christ's analogy of salt and light, and we have talked about how... Christ is telling his disciples who are listening to him at, on the Sermon on the Mount that uh, he is the fulfillment of the law. He's not going to throw out the law, as many of them were kind of hoping, uh, when, he, when the great revolution breaks out and he's the Messiah that leads them there. And he's telling them that the law is important, except that um, he doesn't like how the current religious leaders, the Pharisees, are interpreting the law and using the law, to avoid the spirit of the law. They're making the law work for them so that they can defraud poor people and make money for themselves and, you know, uh, give favor to the powerful and not to the less so. You know, all those wonderful corrupt things that happen in every society everywhere. Uh, And Christ wants to get back to the intent of the law, which is to live a sinless life, or at least a life very low in sin, because perfection is not possible. Uh, And so he, last week we talked about murder, and basically he said that uh, while murder is against the law, just being angry with people is also against the will of God. He wants us to have a good spirit. He wants us to show love to our neighbors. Uh, It's not about whether you murdered them or not it's whether or not you hated them and you know the pharisees are pretty good about hate the parodies preached hate they they hate the romans who are crushing them uh and we're not that different uh i was at a gathering yesterday evening where i heard somebody preaching hate against a political party that they didn't care for you know uh we, we, we shouldn't hate people, and that's what we talked about the other day. Today, we, it gets even more fun. We're going to look at verse 27 through uh, 30, and then really, really, I think we need to go to 32 because it all kind of goes together, which is all about adultery and divorce. <laughs> Wonderful topics that make good themes for movies. Okay, that was funny to me, evidently, not anybody else. Okay, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, which is how Jesus keeps phrasing each one of these lessons. This is what they say. This is what I say. This is what they say. This is what I say. And that's pretty much how this whole sermon goes. So you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. It is one of the Ten Commandments. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow, that's harsh. Jesus wants us to amputate our bodies and do self-harm. No, no, not, not, not really. I, I think if, if Christians took this literally word for word, there would be a lot of one-handed blind people. And he was speaking... I hesitate to say this when talking about Holy Scripture. Lord, please forgive me. I mean no offense. But he was speaking hyperbolically. It's almost a symbolic teaching. Um, And you have to consider who he's talking to. These are uh, Jews that are under the oppression of Roman rule. And having your eye gouged out for being in the wrong place at the wrong time was not an uncommon uh, thing. punishment for the romans having your hand cut off for theft was not an uncommon punishment and so when he says have your hand cut off everybody in that audience immediately thinks of their cousin jim bob who had his hand cut off they know somebody that's been tortured that way and so they get that that's severe that's awful it's cruel And they're saying, oh wait, if you're thinking, uh, if that brings you to sin, it's better for you to cut off your own hand than to continue offending God. And that's the point. Take sin seriously. It's not casual. It's important. God is offended and he's God. Sin is important and this he he teaches it this way so that they see the, the the necessity of it now can your hand literally bring you to sin really my hand these muscles and bones and this is this what sins no, this is what sins, and I'm pointing at my brain. I'm the one that's doing the sin. Can my eye bring me to sin? No, there's nothing about this wonderfully complex organ that's in my head that is going to make me do anything. I am in charge of it, it is not in charge of me. <coughs> so when he says if your eye or your hand brings you to sin, literally, that's impossible. I'm the one that's doing the sinning. Does that make sense? So what he's saying is flee from sin, which is also taught elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, If, let's say, you have a gambling problem. No one in this room, I think, has had that problem. You take your debit card and you give it to your spouse and you let her handle all the bills and you don't handle the money anymore because you have a gambling problem. If, you're tempta- if you can't stand up to that temptation, then you flee that temptation and you take yourself out of it. If you have an issue with pornography, sell your laptop. And then once a month, and I, I know this guy, Go to the library and take care of all of your business on their computer because you can do it for free. He's got passcodes and, 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 you know, memberships and it does his banking, but he doesn't keep a laptop at home because it's just too much temptation. And that is what this scripture is teaching. That is the proper way to deal with it if you've got a problem. If you're an alcoholic, sell the bar. Don't own the bar, sell the bar, Get away from alcohol and then you can deal with your issue. You have to flee that temptation. And, 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 and he's putting it in, in this amputation analogy to, not an analogy, but you know what I mean, in order to show that emphasis and how important it is. Does that work? You're both kind of staring at me funny. Okay, okay. Everybody's still with me on that. That's good. All right, so uh, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if anyone looks at a woman lustfully or has committed adultery with her in his heart, so just thinking about it is sinful. Now, I'm not sure there's a man on the planet. That has ever not looked at a woman who is not his wife and had a lustful thought, except for maybe me, because dear, I know you're listening. I would never do that.
1: You are in church
0: and you cannot lie. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Christians lie. Christians lie all the time. I'm about to rant about lying. I about you. Oh, oh. Uh you know, flee from that. Stay away. Sometimes it's hard. If you can't control yourself at work and work is tempting you, and and there's that secretary that you just can't get away from. I, I assume it's a secretary. Uh quit your job. There's an idea. Get yourself into a position where you don't have that temptation anymore. And, and that's a sacrifice. I'm asking for a lot here. Kenny has just walked in, and he's missed my wonderful teaching on adultery. So so now, so now you're in danger, Kenny, because you didn't hear my, t- t- my, my, my lesson on adultery uh yeah so flee adultery uh it, it, don't think about it don't look at things that are going to lead you to stray and it's not just adultery it's, it's anything so in my case because i need to make it personal i have a little bit of a gluttony problem i i don't know if any i, I don't know if you knew that or not but uh I, have a, I, don't think, I don't think you have it the way I have this problem. I have a really hard time walking past sugar or caffeine, or really anything edible, and if you just, if you just leave it on a table and I walk by, I'm gonna pick it up without even thinking about it. I, you know, I will have consumed three candy bars before I realize I'm eating candy bars. It's like that. You know, if it's there, they're mine. You know, and if I eat one cookie, I'm eating all the cookies. If I open a large bag of potato chips, there will be no need to preserve them later. I don't have to roll up the end and put a clip. I don't own clips for potato chip bags because I finish them. I'm not a quitter. I finish them. Yes, of course I do. Why would you have a clip for a potato chip bag? It makes no sense at all.. They just sit there in a drawer, don't they? Because you never use them, right? Oh, you do. Oh, that's so weird, Lester. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I have I have I have after having a long serious discussion with my wife that went for several days, I have employed her in assisting me with my problem. And the other day I, I walked through my kitchen and I opened up the cabinet. There was no cookies. There were was there was no peanut. There was no peanut butter, Lester. There was no peanut butter. And I looked in the fridge, and there's nothing but like bananas and grapes. There were grapes. And I walked around all. I, I probably went into that kitchen five times yesterday without thinking about it, opening up a counter and and finding nothing, and thinking, oh, oh. What's wrong with her? And then I go, oh, oh, right, right. Yeah, we, we, we said we were going to do this, and I, there, are no, there are no snacks. Huh? There's no peanut butter. I have a peanut butter problem, Kenny. you eat a whole jar in one sitting? Well, I want you to imagine, imagine a large tablespoon, and then you, you, you dig out enough peanut butter that's about the size of a scoop of ice cream. And... <laughs> And I did a calculation of how many calories there are in there, and it, it let's just say it was detrimental to my overall plans. No. And I might eat two or three of those in a day. So, no. yeah. Oh, but I feel so much better when I do after I soak up four hundred calories of peanut butter. <laughs> okay, okay. Can you just eat peanuts? Shut up. shut up, shut up. I do eat peanuts in between the peanut butter. <laughs> <sighs> Nuts are very high calorie. Anyway, uh, flee. Flee temptation is the point. And, and, and if you do not have the ability to do that on your own, enlist help. You know, and that's, and that's basically what, what this is saying. It's, it's the emphasis of avoiding sin. And then he slides right into verse 31. It has been said... Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, interesting caveat, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. What? What? A loaded set of verses there. I know a lady, very devoted, committed Christian woman, that when she was about 16, married her 17-year-old high school sweetheart. And they ran off together without permission of the family because they were young and in love. And about a year later, uh, her 17-year-old sweetheart found another 17-year-old sweetheart, dumped her and took off. And that's the last she's seen of him. Now, she's 18 years old, and she's married and separated from her husband, who then divorced her within the year. But because she was from an extremely religious family, and a very legalistic family, by the way, as I judge her father, uh, and their interpretation of this verse was that once you have married, you are married in the eyes of God forever, and that divorce doesn't do you a thing, and she can never marry again. With her father's permission, because she is spool goods at this point. No, he was unfaithful. But but because he left, she felt like she that was still her marriage, and she never dated anyone else again. And I think this may have had a lot to do with her father's rather Strict interpretation of scripture. So, he, and, and this is, anyone who divorces his wife must give her, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And she never married again. I, I think except for marital unfaithfulness may, may, you know, address that. But at
1: the same time, even if you get a for or the end of God,
0: you'll Yes. God will forgive you for sin. That's true. Um, do you willfully sin against God knowing that he's going to forgive you to make it more convenient for yourself? I, hope I would hope not, too. But that's kind of what that feels like, you know.
1: True. True. Yeah. If I, well, if, I get to, if I get married again, I don't
0: think I'm gonna be innocent over that. Well, Jesus says, except for marital unfaithfulness, He Himself put that little caveat in there.
1: Here a yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, actually, let's address that. <clears throat> ah, I forgot the word. In Greek, there's a word for uh, uh, adultery. In this word in this sentence is not that word it's uh, pornos I think that's what it is and pornos in Greek means sexual not marriedness any kind of sexual impropriety outside of conventional married sex is pornos in in Greek, it, 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 it of course sounds, it, it is the root word of the word porn, but that, that's not really what it means. Pornography can be part of it. But basically Christ says, except for extramarital eroticism of any kind, uh, causes her to become an adulteress in any one of so, so that's what his caveat was. It, was. it was some kind of consistent sin like that. Now, as a Christian, as a, as, you know, my son is divorced. I, I had to counsel him over that. And, and I, wow. I'm deciding how much I want to say with the internet listening. Um, I, my oldest son and I uh, clashed a lot. And I held him to a what I thought was a high standard. I thought that was best for him. And as a result, uh, it was not the most uh, loving, non-contentious <laughs> childhood. We, we, we clashed a lot for a lot of reasons. I think we, all of that's behind us now. But uh, I'm, I'm hard on him as a dad, and, and I felt like I needed to be. But when he, he married and he started having marital problems, Uh, I I counseled him on several occasions. And I will give my son credit. He did everything he could come up with to try to hold his marriage together. He put up with stuff that I I don't think I could have put up with. And his wife was consistent in resisting any kind of reconciliation with him she was committed to the lifestyle that she had chosen it was consistent it wasn't one time it wasn't one slip up with the old boyfriend it was a regular lifestyle of infidelity and he surrendered at the time i thought you shouldn't surrender but i think maybe maybe he was right he surrendered and he let it go. He, it got to the point that after two years of trying to salvage something of his marriage, he, he, he it just wasn't worth his energy anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it got to the point that even if, if, she, if she came around after all of that, uh, you know, I, his side of it couldn't couldn't hold up anymore. And so and so they divorced. And he since remarried and. I'm very happy with the new daughter-in-law, you know. And he seems to have a happy marriage. A a shockingly devoted one compared to the first one, you know. Uh, I I, I can't say that that's wrong in the eyes of God. I I think he did everything he possibly could have. So... What do we do with this verse? It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That means a casual divorce, which is what it had become under the old uh, Mosaic law. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, which means that if you divorce her casually, God still sees it as a marriage. So it's a matter of why. And if you do, you're causing her to become an adulteress. Can I cause somebody else to sin? Am I responsible for your sin? No. no. And I think other scripture is very clear on that. We're all responsible for ourselves. So if I divorce my wife, I'm not responsible for her sin. And that seems to be what this is implying. And I've seen that argument before. Uh, It causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So now she's committing adultery after you left her. Wow, that's problematic. And I think... If we put it in the lens of Jewish Roman culture, it makes a little more sense Uh, because women had absolutely, well, not absolutely no, but very, very little legal standing. They had no ability to uh, be, gain employment or to own property. All of that came through the male lines. And so even widows and orphans, the reason they're mentioned so much in the Bible is that they had no way of supporting themselves. Uh, they could not be self-sufficient. Legally, they could not be self-sufficient. Somebody had to step in and take care of them. Uh, they were, in, in, you know, to a degree, they're entitled to that. And so... If you divorce your wife for reasons that aren't fair, then she ends up in a position of not being able to support herself. And gee, looking at history, when women are completely disenfranchised and have no way of supporting themselves, what is the one way for them to support themselves? They're gonna end up in prostitution or they're going to end up having to marry somebody else, regardless of whether or not it's a sin, it's preferable to starvation. So you're putting your wife in a position where she is, will will have to do things that are compromising within this context. I I think in today's world, uh, women need to take responsibility for themselves and their own sin because they can support themselves on their own as they well, well, well proven. Does that make sense? Okay. In some countries? Well, I guess I am referring to the Western countries, yes. Um, okay, Any, anybody wanna argue with me on divorce? We good? That's the only reason you
1: should
0: get a divorce, but that's what I'm telling That's what that says. Mm-hmm. How about today? Mm-hmm. You give me an example. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Then when she came to the next days. You walked in the house and said, This is my mom and dad, you're responsible to tech your deal, and that's all you want to do. So that was the reason they get divorced, the right? That's my
0: book. That's why device that for this So he brought his mom and dad home. No, he brought
1: his wife home from the military.
0: Yes. Oh, I see.
1: Good job. to stay
0: here and take care of I, mean. I think if you misrepresent yourself in the, in, in, before you're married, I, I understand that. I, this verse says, except for marital unfaithfulness. I think salvaging your marriage is but what's best. You know, I understand that there are issues that go beyond that, but I would recommend a whole lot of counseling. Oh, it, it, okay, it, tell me yeah, that then. Well, as
1: yeah. well, it, a husband that beats his wife, is that being faithful to him? You know, spare, spare the rods, yeah, spare that. the rod, spoil the wife? I mean.
0: No, I don't think people should stay in an abusive relationship. Yeah. The question is, That's how that. do you define the abusive relationship? I think there needs to be a consistent sense. If somebody makes one huge error on one really bad night and uh, you have a fight with your wife out on the street and she beats the uh, back window of your car in with your golf clubs, that was a famous incident with a golfer. Anyway, Maybe that was a one-time deal where everybody drank too much the night before, and you can reconcile that, and if that's not a regular part of your life, I think that's salvageable, you know? And I think you should you know, deal with whatever the problem is and pull your marriage back together. It's always can't happen though. It can't always happen over again, which is sad. And except for... <laughs> Except for marital unfaithfulness. You just said, you just said that was a I'm just Jew as well. I, I you know, I, I, I empathize. I do. But, but you
1: just said it was a Jewish law well, now. We're not <laughs> we talk about here in 2012, the
0: 2020 Well, I will tell you this, for my part, and I'm not judging other people, understand that. For my part, uh, I would not get a divorce except for marital unfaithfulness uh regardless of all of the financial stuff uh i may scream at my wife to the point that we're about to kill each other and that's only happened five or six times Um, but i think in the end you know you in a marriage both sides have to give in a little bit to the other side and eventually you grow together and you both become somebody you didn't intend beforehand you know that, that happens and if you're not considering your wife to the point that you're bending, then you're not approaching your marriage very well. Uh, obviously in the case that you stated that that didn't look sound like a very solid marriage. I, I don't, maybe it could be? I would like to say it could have been maybe? No, if
1: it's go out. It, well, who so. a
0: Yeah. Um um, um, I'm going to stand on Scripture. <laughs> but I tell you, that anyone who divorces this wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And, and, and that's what Jesus said. So, so there, that's what I'm going to hide I under. I agree.
1: I think you can try to do everything you can to say you're married. Yes. Which is invisible your whole
0: life. I don't even think, you know, if you suddenly discover that your spouse cheated on you one time, while I would find that to be Devastating. If it's a one-time deal and it didn't happen after that, I think we still have a responsibility as Christians to save the marriage. I do. Sounds good, but at the same
1: time, the trust
0: thing. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it'll, it'll never wow. be the same. It'll never be the same.
1: Every time she's out there. Yep. When she's supposed to
0: be. Uh huh. You're right. Even
1: if you're wrong,
0: yep. you're mine, go go there. Uh huh. Sure are.
1: <laughs>
0: sure are.
1: That's a miserable life, a little
0: bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this better. I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> Kevin. I know you said this, My first wife, I told her I was living with a good report. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So i I don't know Okay. I i think that's all that's required of you is everything you possibly can.
1: Now, now I thought that could I that's a different
0: story, I think. Say again? Okay, I'm going to run away from these verses now. (laughs) And we still have 20 minutes. Awesome. Uh, Let's look at 33 through 37, which is Christ on oaths. And he's just going murder, adultery, divorce, oaths. He's hitting all these things that are big issues with... uh, with these disciples. These are things that they're struggling with. It's the way that they're living their lives under the current Jewish uh, Mosaic administration among the, among the Pharisees. And he's trying to show how he's fulfilling this word. Is this
1: like he's uh, showing the how to live a Christian life? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what
0: he's doing here, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago do not break your oath. But keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, or for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the great city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no, Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. When I first read this and I saw the word swear, I thought it was referring to foul language. And I am fairly sure that my father taught it that way. Maybe he was just trying to convince me to stop cussing. eventually I discovered that we're talking about oaths and vows and the word swear in old Elizabethan English means to take an oath. Right. And so this is about truthfulness. The reason that you take an oath is to add more emphasis to what you say. So You're at the marketplace and you're a Jewish merchant and you agree to sell 50 bushels of barley, whatever they're, they're growing, to some guy in the spring and I promise I will give it to you for so many shekels. I swear it upon my father's head because I hold my Father's head to be sacred. And that adds more emphasis to the deal, and that makes them more believable that they will totally give it to you at that price so that you can come back in the spring and depend on them sticking to their word. Now, what happens in the spring? You get here, and they really can't live up to that promise they gave you and they wanted it 60 shekels or whatever it is. And uh, they break their word. And so they said, well, I only swore by my father's head. I didn't swear by the temple. That's a more important swear. So the oath becomes a measure of your truthfulness. Does that make sense? And so basically, by 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 taking a big oath, you're trying to convince someone that you're truthful, which means that they are naturally assuming that you are not. I told Joe's going to talk about whether or not Christians lie. So what Christ is saying is: don't add to your truthfulness, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. And here's the big part. Do what you say you are going to do. You don't need to swear that you're telling the truth. Just tell the truth. Just tell the the truth. The truth. The truth, the truth, the truth. Because when you swear, it literally cheapens your word. It's saying, well, the word without my swear is less trustworthy than the word with my swear. And since I make this oath, it's gonna make me more trustworthy. Well, you should be completely trustworthy with just yes and no, by just making the promise. And if you are a believer, Your word should be your bond. You should absolutely stick to everything you say. And because you absolutely stick to everything you say, you probably shouldn't make too many promises. And be real slow to make commitments. What was it that happened Saturday two weeks ago? Ron, you were trying to bug me. Are you gonna go to that? You were looking for a ride. And you wanted me to take you there. Was it a. Was it the 49ers party? I don't know. The oh, the men's group meeting. That's what it was. And so Ron comes to me and says, You know, can you give me a ride on Saturday? Well, I, I wasn't sure if I were. I, I was anticipating having other plans on Saturday, I was waiting on things to happen. And yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to go to the men's meeting. But so he wanted me to commit to it, so I could take him. Well, if I tell Ron I'm going to take him, I'm going to take him, and then I'm completely committed to going to the men's meeting, which I'm not sure I had time to do, you know. So I, I hemmed and hawed, didn't I? You know, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, can I answer that later? I, I I can give you a yes or no answer. So luckily, Lester stepped in and saved my butt, and he decided to take you. And then, and then I didn't show up to the men's meeting because things came up. Yeah. But I didn't promise that I could go. If I told you I was going to be there, I would have moved heck and high water in order to be there. You don't, you know, you don't say you're, you don't join a club and not show up for the meetings. Yeah. You don't join a club and not enter the contest because I'm in a club now and I'm having to enter the stupid contest anyway. Uh, you know, because uh, you're going to take part, and if you're not going to take part, you should get out. You know, I mean, that's... Be honest. Yeah, you can't be honest, with you, but your whole character is screwed up. Yes. Now, having said that, because Christian wants God wants Christians to be pictures of honesty. If a Christian tells you he's going to do something, you should bank on it. Because it, they're truthful, right? Because they're Christians. Oh, my goodness. Being raised in a Christian family... Let me tell you what I think about Christians and lying. We lie more than we tell the truth. We lie because we're polite and we're nice and we never want to offend anyone. We avoid conflict at all costs, even if it means fudging a little bit. And and, and anyone that knows me knows who I'm ranting about. This is this is this is this is uh, okay. I'm talking about my in-laws. So all those in-laws that are listening, please forgive me later. Uh, I'm I'm married into a family of passive aggressivism. Uh, It is never considered polite in my in-laws' family to ever express a negative feeling of any kind. You will not fight with each other. Now, they fight with each other constantly, but you will not say it out loud. You will not take responsibility for a negative opinion because that might offend, and we must not offend. We are polite Christian people. So we have this weird situation where, okay, let's say uh, my wife comes in no, no, no. Let me be honest. Uh, my mother-in-law comes into my father-in-law, and she says, "Do you like this blouse?" Before she goes to church, my father-in-law has a range of responses. One of them is not no. He can't say no. No would be honest and truthful, and it would offend her. And we cannot offend her, so we shall not be truthful. And he'll say, that's fine. And she will look at him with horror on her face and go, you don't like it? And he will say, well, it's fine. And she'll go, and she'll go to the closet and she'll take off her blouse and she'll put on a different blouse. And she'll say, what do you like about this one? Do do you like this blouse? Yeah, that's much nicer. And she'll wear that one. Well, fine. Means I hate it. I hate it. Burn it now. That's what. That's what. Fine means. Uh, when somebody really, really likes something, it's. <clears throat> oh, that's amazing! I can't believe it. Oh, oh, my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's the best blouse. Oh, oh my God! Wow! 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 That's that that that's really good. That's what really good. Sounds like it's it's not what you say it's the matter of energy you put into saying it and it was a system of communication that it took me years to understand and I've never been able to communicate in it. You know what I'm saying and it drives me insane. Is this right? Is this Christian? Should we do that? Shouldn't I be allowed to say no I really hate that blouse? Wouldn't that be better? <laughs> i said before. Like, no, I don't want to eat at Dairy Queen. Would that be okay? Why 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 does that bring out hate in everyone? Can't I express an opinion? Are you saying No, I'm not commenting on Dairy Queen. I really I'm really fond of the dude. Anyway, what what now?
1: Yes, yes. I have
0: had that experience. I know exactly what you mean. So obviously, she does care. Truthfulness, we should be truthful, but truthfulness means that we need to call out the negative side of the truth. We can't just be polite all the time. We need to be honest. and when you need to embrace it, what do you mean it's not impossible? Yes, southern hospitality is dishonest. I think we can be hospitable, but there should be standards that we require of our guests. We should, you know, there. One thing about South
1: is that we may be mean to you, but we're polite.
0: Well, I have no problem with that. Actually, yeah, that, that's it's actually it's biblical. I think. Well, I don't think we should be mean, period.
1: Mean as an I mean, I'm talking about you're cutting down somebody's character,
0: and polite about it, so it's okay. Southern hospitality. Well, I don't know if character assassination should really be part of this conversation. Um, but I think we should be truthful, even when the truth hurts. I think we should be truthful. Um, I have seen passive aggressive families tolerate, acknowledge, and embrace sinful lifestyles and then try to control sinful lifestyles passively from a distance and it doesn't work and it's hypocritical. You know? Uh, oh, son, sure, you can live with your girlfriend and then we leave him and we go, I can't believe he's living with that girlfriend. What's wrong with him? Did I raise him that way? Well go tell him that. Yeah. You know? I think you know, let, let's be honest. If you're gonna call somebody out in their sin, call somebody out in their sin. Don't 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 go torture everybody else to go do it for you. I think I just ran out of ammunition. I just okay. Is that all right.
1: My my, my kids come and say, that how you like this? Please say you don't like it. I say, not. It's different. It's different. It's different.
0: How diplomatic. It's different. They know what that means. I don't like it. (laughs) she almost because she was raised in passive-aggressive world almost prefers that I speak to her that way how's your blouse I literally told her the other day well it's, it's fine meaning you could wear that and you wouldn't get in trouble I don't think you're going to expose yourself if you wear that or anything uh, you know, it's not very pretty but it's okay you know you could go to Walmart and that and no one would look at you twice that's what that means that's what that means fine you know, and then she went and took it off and put on something else because that means don't wear that in her family if it's fine. And she put on a different one, and how did I respond? Oh, that's very pretty. I really like that one. Oh, I haven't seen that necklace before. That goes with that well. You know, there, 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 there's, there's the message. So I have learned to speak the Hargrave passive-aggressive language. Now I've given their name. I am in so much trouble. I am in so much trouble.
1: No, (laughs) (laughs) they don't want the answer they They know why I'm
0: going to say sure they they didn't really need to ask no (laughs) (laughs) okay no O's I don't know that we take too many O's unless you're going to court Uh, and uh, and that's all I've got in that we will pick up an eye for an eye at, at verse 38 and hopefully we will finish chapter 5 next week. Yeah. So, Wow, it's taken us a month to get through one chapter. How weird. Yeah. I wonder how chapter 6 is going to go. Yeah. Pretty much the same. All right. With that, I am signing off. Goodbye, Internet. Uh, and please don't tell my wife.